0: and thank you for joining me tonight here on Next on the Tee. I'm your host, Chris Mascaro, and I really hope your week has gotten off to a great start, and I certainly appreciate the fact that you're making us a part of your golfing life this week, if you will. We've got a wonderful show in store for you tonight. Three really fantastic guests that I'm really excited to share with you. First up with me tonight is going to be one of my favorite individuals, and that's Dr. Bob Jones IV. Like Ben Wright last week, when Doc joins me, It's a very emotional and spiritual time for me. I've had the privilege of having Doc on the show three times previously, and each time that, you know, when he's joining, I've walked away with a wonderful feeling of, of inner peace, you know, and I attribute that to Doc's approach, his communication style, and really just his general overall message and presence, and tonight I'll talk with him. More about the mental approach to the game and strategies that we can all use. Be more like Brooks Kepka, right? When we saw him last weekend, right, last Sunday, how great was that? It just seems like with Brooks, nothing gets to him, right? Nothing seems to phase him. He seems very unflappable, right? So how can we do something similar to that? How can we let things in our round of golf? not get to us and not ruin our rounds? Whether we've had a bad swing, right? We hit a bad shot. We've had a bad hole, maybe a couple of holes. How can we stay focused and in the moment and not let that get to us and ruin the rest of the round? Because, you know, when we're out playing golf, you know, really, unless we're in tournament situations, it just should be about having some fun, right? How do we not let it really impede that? So we'll talk to Doc about that, and then, you will know, get away from the negative self-talk that so much of us do. Plus, the other thing I want to talk to, to Doc about is, you know, so many of us make the pr- uh, uh, pilgrimage to Oakland Cemetery to pay homage to his grandfather, Bobby Jones, right? You, I mean, if you see pictures, and, and please Google it, folks, you'll see dozens of golf balls that are left on Bobby Jones' grave every month, and several of them are mine. So I want to talk to to him about that and, and what that continues to mean to him about how much we all still revere his grandfather, and how much he continues to mean to us. We'll talk about that in a whole lot more when Doc joins me here in a few minutes. Following him, I'm going to get a return visit from PGA professional Joe Groman. Joe was the 2013 Southern California PGA Teacher of the Year. He's got a wonderful foundation, too, folks, that's working with uh, wounded veterans and getting them back out onto the golf course, so we'll certainly talk about that. Joe was also the head pro at the Navy Golf Course at Seal Beach where Earl and Tiger Woods Were once members, so we'll talk to him about what it was like to be around Tiger. And Tiger, you know, when he got to meet him, was around 13 years old. So we'll talk about what it was like being around Tiger and partnering him with him in some of the events. And also, and this is something that Joe talked about last time. That's really heartbreaking. The racism that Tiger had to deal with when he was there, because um, they were the only African-American family that uh, were members there, and uh, he had to deal with quite a bit. So we'll refresh our memories about all of those things that Tiger dealt with back then, and, and then we'll move on to more positive things and, and talk about the great stuff that Joe doing today. He'll join me about 25 minutes from now. Then we'll round out tonight's show with a return visit from five-time winner out on tour, Richard Zokel. I'll talk to Richard about his reactions from the PGA Championship. Plus, Richard's written a white paper on the impact that distance and equipment technology are having on the game. And, you know, do things need to change? I don't know. We'll hear what Richard thinks when he joins me about 45 minutes from now. So a lot more great stories and information coming your way tonight on this edition of Next on the T. And, again, thank you so much for tuning in and taking the journey with me over the next hour or so. But before we get started, I want to remind you about our good friend Matthew Lawrence and his show, Backspin Golf, which airs Sunday mornings from 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time. It's my regular Sunday morning, 8.03 a.m. T-Time. It's broadcast on WLXG ESPN Radio, AM 1300, up in Lexington, Kentucky. You can stream it by going online to WLXG.com or doing what I did, which is download the WLXG app. Matthew does such a wonderful job, and the guests that he have are also fantastic every single week. Great way to kick off your Sunday mornings. His equally fantastic twin brother, Mitchell, has another great golf show that marries golf and travel, and it is called Talking Golf Getaways, which you can find online at golfnewsnet.com or over on Audioboom or really anywhere you consume podcasts. He and his co-host Aaron Bunch travel all over the world, and they let you know great places to play, stay, and even eat while you're there. Again, it's called Talking Golf Getaways, and you can stream it online by going to golfnewsnet or over on Audioboom. And, folks, as you know, we are sponsored by the French Lick Resort. Let's hear a word from our good friend Steve Rondonero about the great things they continue to have going on up there.
1: Play legendary golf at French Lick Resort, the only place in the country where you can play courses by two Hall of Fame designers on the same property. Our Pete Dye and Donald Ross courses offer two very different challenges. Experience them both and save with our Hall of Fame package. Our two historic hotels are unique as well. Cap it off with a fun visit to the French Lick Casino. Check us out online at FrenchLick.com. Bring a group and save even more. Play legendary golf this season at French Lick Resort.
0: Yeah, be sure to check them out online at FrenchLick.com to see for yourself what a wonderful place it is and to book your stay as well also want to give a shout-out to our friends at the Ben Hogan Golf Equipment Company. Folks, if you haven't hit ben, Ogan, ben Hogan irons since whether the 80s or the 90s, do yourself a favor. Get a demo iron from them, one of their Fort Worth irons, their PTX irons, or their new Edge irons, and go out on the range and compare it to what you have. All Ben Hogan irons and wedges are handcrafted one at a time, in their Fort Worth, Texas factory. No mass production, no shortcuts. You can now order custom-made irons, wedges, and hybrids at benhogangolf.com. They'll build clubs to your specifications, and best of all, charge you a fraction of the typical retail price. Check out their complete line of forged irons, wedges, utility irons, hybrids, bags, and accessories, again, by going online to benhogangolf.com. And we're also proud to be partnering with Russ Holden and the wonderful folks over at Caddy for a Cure. One of the most unique opportunities in the world of professional golf is available to you through Caddy for a Cure. Get to spend a day inside the ropes with one of the world's best players as their caddy. It's a fantastic way to have the time of your life while supporting our wounded service members and Fanconi Anemia. You're going to get to walk side by side with your tour player experiencing professional golf as an insider. And in addition to the amazing experience you're going to have, you're going to get a fantastic giftware package from Caddy for a Cure, which includes Under Armour logoed apparel, and an eyewear package, a tour-grade caddy bib suitable for autographs and framing, a tin cup ball marking gift, chef's cut real jerky, and professional photographs of your day. They currently have spots open that you can bid on to caddy for Rory McIlroy, Brooks Kepka, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, jo- uh, Jason Day, Justin Rose, and several other tour players. Go online to Caddy for a Cure, that's C-A-D-D-Y-F-O-R-A-C-U-R-E, caddyforacure.com, to learn more. All right, now back with me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is Dr. Bob Jones, the fourth grandson of Bobby Jones. Let me remind you about Doc's background. He was born and raised in Pittsfield, Massachusetts, which is located in the very western part of the state near the New York state line. He now lives in Johns Creek, Georgia, which is just northeast of Atlanta. He studied at the Minerad Seminary and uh, School of Theology, and he graduated from the uh, Georgia School of Professional Psychology. earned his bachelor's degree in English literature, a master's in divinity, and a doctorate in clinical psychology. He's working now as a sports psychologist. It has been really wonderful for me to get to know Doc over the past couple of years. And, uh, boy, I couldn't be more excited. that he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tea.
1: Good evening, Doc. Thanks for coming back on the show. Hey, Chris. It is so good to be with you tonight. I always love being on your show. It's a real highlight for me. I appreciate you saying that, Doc.
0: Sure. So, Doc, I wanted to start off our time tonight by getting an update from you on the uh, on the project going on for the Bobby Jones Golf Course here in town. They're completely remaking the golf course, and uh, as I've been tracking it online, it's scheduled
1: to open this fall. Do you have any updates for how the project is progressing? It is going absolutely fantastic. The course has been uh, the course has been sprigged, and the greens uh, a lot of the greens have been sodded already the uh it's uh, we have recently reached an agreement with the Chattahoochee River project a nice little compromise about tree planting so uh the environmental groups are getting happier the neighborhood neighbors are getting happier because now it's starting to look like a golf course and not like a lunar landscape uh <laughs> we are hiring uh, or have hired a general manager and in the process of hiring a director of instruction Uh, We should probably have a couple of opening days in late October, which will be mainly for our donors to be able to see what it is that they have donated to, and then general opening to the public, I believe, is scheduled to be November 1st marty Elgison, who is the president of the jones golf course has said to me if for some reason uh that we look like we're having a little problem with the grass coming in he said that i may have to cancel my schedule and he and chuck palmer our chairman and and, and i will all be out handling sod but we will open on <laughs> schedule so it's it's you know you know I got to tell you it is uh Chris it is a great project it is going to be absolutely revolutionary and as much as a tribute as it is to my grandfather it is also uh absolutely the result of the vision and the persistence of Marty Elchison, when he first came up with this idea of renovating the Bobby Jones golf course. And he approached me with it. Well, I've known Marty for years and I said, well, of course we'll be glad to help you in any way that we could. Uh, Privately, I was a little bit concerned that I might have to have him committed for such a crazy idea, and yet now, because of his persistence and because of his vision, uh, the city of Atlanta is about to see something that really reflects um, uh, just – I think it, it reflects what my grandfather would do if he were involved in a project in the year 2018. It's just really fantastic, and we as a family are very proud.
0: So, for folks that aren't familiar with the project, can you just give them a kind of a taste for what the golf course is like? So You've got a reversible nine, which is going to be very interesting yes. to see.
1: Well, what we had originally was uh, an 18-hole golf course that said it was around 5,800 yards long. And if it was 5,100 yard- 5,800 yards long, that meant you had your, if you're a right-handed player, you right had your right foot off the back of the back tee, and each pin would have been cut two feet from the back edge of the green. The course, the holes ran like right next to each other, and it was extremely dangerous. I mean, you could get beamed very easily, and many people did. The late Bob Cup came in and created this wonderful idea of creating a reversible nine-hole golf course. Now, we won't play it in reversible directions at the same time, but we will alternate them, obviously. There will be, uh, as I said, it will be two different nines, so each green will actually be two greens. The beauty of it is, we're installing also a practice range, and we're installing something called the Long Leaf system, which was originally created by US Kids Golf. And basically, what that means is you'll be able to go to our practice range, hit a few balls, and we will be able to tell you what distance the golf course should play for you to have the most enjoyable time that you can have. And uh, we will be able to range that golf course for an 18-hole distance anywhere from about 5,000 or 5,200 yards all the way up to 7,400. It's going to become the home for the Georgia State University golf team. It will have an instructional center. And most interestingly, it'll have a very short six-hole course that we've named in honor of Bob Cup called the Cup Links. And uh, in order to play the Cup Links, You must be 12 years old or younger, and for an adult to play the cup links, they have to be in the company of somebody who is 12 and under, or they can't play. So it's going to be really, really exciting. Eventually, we'll have a new clubhouse that will house the Georgia State Golf Association, the Georgia section of the PGA, uh, and the Georgia Golf Hall of Fame, and we're looking at a few other organizations that may come in to make it truly the Georgia Golf House, and uh we're just really thrilled. Wow,
0: I, I would have never guessed that you were going you could stretch that golf course out to seventy four hundred yards.
1: That's fantastic. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, so I mean, you can you you can go online and see the the di- the diagram for it. It's really it's it's really revolutionary.
0: Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. I can't wait to see it. So I'm looking forward to November first and uh, and taking a show around the golf course. It's going to be a wonderful complex. Good for you guys.
2: Yeah, we're, we're and Doc, really pleased.
0: Doc, like thousands of others, you know, here, particularly in the Atlanta area, I visit your grandfather's grave at Oakland Cemetery, you know, <laughs> once or twice a year, and some of those thousands of golf balls that get left on his grave in reverence to him are mine. So, you know, what's that like for for you and your family to to be able to to see? Because there's a nice visual for you how much your grandfather continues to mean to to golf fans and golf lovers everywhere and the legacy that he left behind
1: uh, it's it's so hard to put that into words i mean when you go to oakland and you see um and you see things that people have left there the golf balls are really amazing Uh, I will also tell you there have been times when I've gone there and people have left uh, other things. People have left, uh, like, books that are special to them. Um, I've had several people who've left letters. And whenever I can, uh, if the cemetery is able to pick them up, say, before a rainstorm, if I can get them, I always try to respond to them. We've had some interesting things that are left, too. Um, Sometimes people will come and they'll leave their handicap cards. Uh, Sometimes, uh, for example, one time uh, we've had a couple of people who are members of the PGA of America, which, by the way, my grandfather was an honorary member of the PGA of America, uh, and they will leave their PGA cards. The most interesting PGA card that I ever saw, at least, was uh, from young Joe Bonano, who apparently was either the son or the grandson of the uh, Mafioso bearing the same name, which is probably one of the more interesting PGA cards I ever saw. But wow. there's no way that you can see that and not be absolutely touched. I mean, you know, you stop and think about it this way, Chris. How many people are really remembered 100 years after they were born? Not very many. I mean, I don't know that I could name for you who the most valuable player was uh, in the uh, 1982 Super Bowl. I don't know that I could name for you even who competed. Well, I could tell you who competed in the 1968 World Series, but that's another story. But, I mean, my point is so much of what we think is important fades into obscurity over time. And yet, here we are now, this is 2018, which is 116 years after my grandfather is born, was born, and he still touches people's lives. And I just don't know how you can encounter that and not just be humbled by it, especially when you bear the same name.
0: And Doc, as we... Look ahead a little over a month from now, we're going to have the tour championship going on here in town in East Lake, you know, being where it's played and where your grandfather grew up. Is, is that week that, that is something special to you guys still because it gives us a second opportunity in the year now, you know, the Masters in April – we obviously remember your grandfather. Here we go. Six months later, we have a second opportunity to remember your grandfather because of the course that, that uh, this tournament is going to be played on. I know you're, you're, you're uh, a member at uh, the Atlanta Athletic Club, so at a different location. But is this uh, uh-huh. another week, a second week in the golf year that is still special to you guys?
1: Oh, no question. No question about it, Chris. I mean, they came to us a couple of years ago. I had a meeting with them over at Eastlake uh, early in 2017, and they told me about their plan to make uh, the Tour Championship uh, a real testament to uh, Bub's life and to his early years uh, and his accomplishments when he was a member of Eastlake. And I was just so thrilled by that. And uh, this year, they're going to take it even to another level. And, yeah, it is There is something that's very special about it. You know, uh, what what Augusta National does in the Masters Tournament is really really quite remarkable. This is something that's being done in my grandfather's hometown at the course, uh, if not the club, at least at the course, where he grew up and learned to play. And at a place now that is making such a huge contribution. Uh, to the lives of uh, young people here in the city of Atlanta. So, yes, it's absolutely moving to me and to my entire family. It's a great honor, great honor. Doc, I want to switch gears
0: a little bit now, and I want to get your thoughts sure. on the mental side and the mental approach in the game yeah. of golf. And when we see a guy like Brooks Kepka, right, and how he goes about his business, so calm and seemingly unflappable, in the pressure cooker of a major tournament like we just watched at the PGA. It's something. Can something like that, can that be taught? Can you work with somebody to teach them to focus and to stay in the moment the way that he does?
1: Yeah, I think so. I, I think there are a few things that you have to do to be able to stay in the moment. Uh, one is I think you have to have uh, a reasonable and realistic um expectation of your own abilities. So, for example, I mean, uh, I think our tendency, for example, is to always try to plan our shots by what our best shot would be rather than what our averages actually are. Uh, So I think that's one thing. I think people have to have a realistic assessment of what they can actually do on the golf course. Given that, um, I think that – You have to bear in mind something that is very, very important, and that is that everybody is going to hit bad shots. Walter Hagen used to expect them. My grandfather didn't expect them, but he knew they were going to come. But there's a real truth that I think if I could have everybody write it down and put it on their mirror so they could see it right at eye level every morning when they're getting ready to go to the golf course, the statement would be this. There is no shot that is so bad that losing your composure cannot make worse. Seriously.
2: <laughs> there is no so shock true.
1: that is so bad that losing your composer, composure cannot make worse. Uh, and I'll give you a very practical example of that. A number of years ago, I was playing in a tournament up at Highlands Country Club in North Carolina with Charles Harrison, who for many years was a fantastic regional player uh, here in Atlanta. And Charlie got on the ninth hole, which is a relatively short hole and uh, he snap hooked his tee shot and it went maybe about 110 yards, hit into a bush and bounced out uh, into the rough maybe 210 yards away from the green. If it were me, I would have gone ballistic, at least back in those days. Charles just walked up to his shot, took a look at it, took out his four wood and knocked it on the green eight feet from the hole. And as we were walking up the fairway, I turned to him and I said, Charles, that was just a fantastic shot. And he said, well, you know, Bob, you just never know what's going to come out of the gun at any point. And that's a good (laughs) lesson. And that's a good lesson. You can hit terrible shot after terrible shot after terrible shot. And if you just maintain your composure and you just maintain your patience, then all of a sudden it can turn around on a dime. And we forget that in golf. Of course, I have another theory about that, Chris, and that is this. I think a lot of times when we lose our composure on the golf course, we're actually doing that for the benefit of those around us to let them know that we know that we could really do better than that. So I think you have to sort of check your ego at the door, know what your realistic expectations are, and then recognize that there is no shot that is so bad that losing your composure won't make it worse. And and, and that sounds very simple, but I think that's really a key to playing golf certainly a lot more consistently and a lot more enjoyably.
0: Yeah, no, that's fantastic. I wrote that down, and I'll certainly be keeping that close at hand uh, before I go play every round of golf. But thank you for that, Doc.
1: Hey, if so it let's... works, I'll send you a bill. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate
0: you. So, yeah. Doc, hand in hand with that, right? Because I, yeah. when, when we talk about you know emotions out on the golf course, I don't think there's any sport that has as much self-negative talk than the game of golf does, and I'm curious—is that a learned behavior? You you mentioned about, of course, how we have a bad reaction so that everyone else around us knows that you know we know that that was a bad shot and that we can do better. But is the negativity mm-hmm. that comes around and the negative self-talk that we do to ourselves—is that a learned behavior in the same sort of way to you know, hey, I now you hear me talk about how bad that shot was. Is that something that we, whether we're juniors and we do it in front of our parents, so that you know we we are afraid that we let them down or our partners when we're out on the golf course?
1: How how does it start? Where does it come from? I think it's learned. Uh, again, I think I think it's an issue of expectations. Uh, I was talking with. Um, I think that expectations, you know, it's like last time we talked about goal setting. And this time, I think expectations would be the big theme. I think what happens is we get these perfectionistic attitudes in our head that says that every shot has to be absolutely crisp. Every putt has to be absolutely perfect. I'll give you an example. I had a client once who said to me, he said, I had three three putts the other day, and I should never three putt. And I said, well, who told you that? Well, I don't know. It just it seems reasonable that I should never three putt. I said, "Well, tell me where you were." And he described a couple of his situations. And there were a couple of situations where he had where I had to tell him. I said, "I think you're darn lucky to have gotten out of what you had with a three putt. You're in a terrible situation." So again, I think a lot of that. Losing our our composure and our self-talk has its roots in what our expectations are for our... And that is a purely cognitive function, and it is a purely learned behavior. So yes, if it's learned, it can be unlearned, but it takes a little discipline. Also, bear in mind now, though there's a physical side to this too, Chris, and that is you have to be also careful. If your thinking starts going sour, bear in mind... That could be a cognitive problem, or it could be a sign that you're also dehydrated. So I'm serious about that. So, you know, what I would say is get yourself a, bottle, a bunch of water or Gatorade in your system. Give yourself a moment to pace it off and cool yourself down and see if your thinking doesn't clear up. So I would say the two are intricately linked. Well, I appreciate that last part because one of
0: our sponsors is Parbar, and they have a, a product called Par water, <laughs> and they talk about yeah. How when you when you start to lose even just a little bit dehydrated, you become a little bit dehydrated. Suddenly, your 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 thinking it gets you know clouded. Your ability to hit the ball as far and as straight and all that sort of thing is, is impacted. So and, kudos to you for that. And your
1: emotional control and your mo- emotional control. People don't realize that is the first sign that they're going to notice is that their emotional control has slipped a little bit, and that means they're dehydrated. Absolutely, doctor just a couple more before we let
0: you go yeah. and and one of the other things that struck me over the weekend at at the PGA was the incredible number of photographers who were greenside snapping pictures of Tiger I mean there, there was one scene one shot of him and he's trying to line up a putt and there are hundreds of cameras pointed like right at him like right in his putting line you know if you will if you send yeah. it out past the hole and uh, how how can you train People, to, to ignore that, to not see it and not let that kind of distract them and get in the way, and now the enormity of the, of the moment becomes
1: even larger than it already is. How do you, how do you block that stuff out? It takes practice. Uh, I mean, it, it takes a lot of practice. It takes being in situations like that. Uh, and, I mean, obviously, Tigers learned how to do it because he finished second this last weekend and played extraordinarily well. So, yes, it can certainly be learned. And while the average player doesn't have to uh, know how to deal with cameras clicking in their face, the average player might have to deal with, especially if they're a little bit older, playing with two guys who have hearing aids and who are talking very loudly at all times during the game. And so it's the same challenge. And yes, you you can uh, you can learn how to focus that, uh, how to how to narrow your focus down. Uh, there are some uh, relaxation techniques uh, that I that I use a lot with people to help them with narrowing their focus. Uh, it, it's not a complicated process at all. Again, it takes discipline though.
0: And, Doc, you're also involved with some great charities and some great foundations here uh, around town. Yes. I, I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about some of the great things that you're doing and some of the organizations you get to be involved with.
1: Well, I'm uh, you know i very fortunate. I'm involved with the Robert T. Jones, Jr. program over at Emory University, which sponsors an exchange between Emory and the University of St. Andrews in Scotland. It sponsors also the Jones program in ethics, which is a required uh, attendance for every graduate student at Emory. Uh, it, and it's starting to do a biomedical engineering exchange between Emory Medicine, School of Medicine and Georgia Tech. So we're really proud of that. I've also uh, been involved with the, what is called the Chiari and Myelia Foundation, uh, which is the disease that killed my grandfather. I've been on the board of trustees there for a number of years. And uh, in the next uh, couple of months, we'll probably be talking, you and I will probably talk a little bit about how we're going to make that relationship between the Jones family and the Chiari and Myelia Foundation a heck of a lot closer. And we're really looking forward to that as well. Uh again the Bobby Jones uh the Bobby Jones Golf Course Foundation is very dear to my heart as well and uh so uh I, I stay busy i stay busy and i'm very very um i'm very happy uh with all of those projects that that we're involved with as a family so
0: that's all fantastic stuff, Doc, and I, I can't thank you enough for coming back on the show and sharing more of your stories and your insights with us. I hope you'll come back as we get close to the opening of the golf course or maybe right after the opening of the golf course, because I oh. sure would love to hear you know, your thoughts about how it went and, uh, and where you know, we're going to go from there, because it sounds like such an outstanding project.
1: Chris, I'd be honored, too. It's always a pleasure to spend time with you and your audience, and uh, I, I just appreciate your having me on.
0: Well, I appreciate you, Doc. Thank you so much
1: for your time. I look forward to catching all up right, with Chris. you again
0: real soon. In between now and then, all You're the good. best to you and your family, Doc.
1: You too, Chris. Thank you so much.
0: All right. Take care. All right. That is Doctor Bob Jones IV, and um, boy, just a, a, a wonderful individual. means a, means a great deal to me. Again, this is the fourth time that he's been on the show, but um, I just I, I, something about the interactions with Doc feel very spiritual to me and then the advice that he gives. And, boy, I tell you what, I wrote down what he put. There is no shot that is so bad that losing your composure can't make worse. You expect to see that out there from me on social media and, and taped up uh, not only in uh, on the mirror in my bathroom to look at that every time, but I'm going to put that in my phone. So every time I go tee off on the first hole, I'm going to look at that to you know, keep, me, uh, keep me in line. My son, too. For when he goes out to play uh, junior golf as well. But Doc is a fantastic individual, folks. I can't uh, thank him enough for his time, and uh, I'm already looking forward to the project, going out and seeing the new Bobby Jones golf course, and then uh, obviously talking more about that with Doc the next time I get to have him on the show. All right, before I get to my next guest, Joe Grohman, I want to give a shout-out to a couple of more of our sponsors. And first... Folks, I can't tell you how excited I am about the new weapon that I have in my golf bag. Over the last several months, I've been playing the new M4 Driver from TaylorMade Golf. And if you haven't tried the new twist face technology, you're missing out. I don't know about you, but I don't hit it in the center of the face every single time, right? After studying hundreds of thousands of swings from pros and amateurs like us, TaylorMade designed their new drivers to help protect us from our miss hits and give us straighter distance. So whether your miss is on the low heel or the high toe, Twist Face helps bring the ball back to center, keeping the distance that we want and finding the fairway more often. I'm hitting more fairways than I ever have, and the new drivers are the choice of some pretty good golfers you might recognize. Guys like Rory McIlroy, Dustin Johnson, Jason Day, John Rahm, Justin Rhodes, and Tiger Woods. Oh, by the way, just to name a few that are out there dominating the top 10 on tour. If you haven't uh, tried the Twist Face, please go hit it and get fit. It's in the new M3 and M4 drivers and only from TaylorMade. I also want to give a shout-out to our new friends at Super Speed Golf. You're going to hear us talk about that over the next several months. Now, you know, over half of the tour players are using Super Speed Golf, and they're getting the fastest and most effective way to increase their swing speed. Three eight-minute training sessions per week, that's all. Three eight-minute training sessions, and you're going to get 5% increase in your swing speed. You know, they've got sets for all golfers of all different ages. You know, they've got a year's worth of included video right there on their website as well. Super Speed offers a complete solution to help you start booming it off the tee. Visit them online at superspeedgolf.com to pick up your set of Superspeed sticks today. And, folks, this segment of the show is sponsored by our friends at the PGA Tour Superstore.
1: This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGATourSuperstore.com. Now back to Chris and more of the show.
0: And now back with me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is PGA professional Joe Groman. Let me remind you about Joe's background. Played his college golf first at Cypress College, where he was the team MVP. He later transferred to Cal State Fullerton and played there briefly before turning pro. He's been the head golf professional at places like Whittier Narrows Golf Course, Chester Washington Golf Course, the Navy course at Seal Beach, where he met Earl and Tiger was when Tiger was 13. He's now at the Dorado Golf Course in Long Beach, California. He was named the 2013 Southern California PGA Professional of the Year. And I'm a little embarrassed to say this, but it's been almost two years to the day since the last time that Joe joined me here on the show. So shame on me, but I'm excited to have him back with me tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, Joe, thanks for coming back on the show.
3: Chris, thank you. Thanks for having me, man. Great to be back.
0: I know. Shame on me. It's been two years. I can hardly stand it. Talk about what's been going on with you, my friend.
3: Well, before we get into that, let me go back in time just for a second. Listening to Bob uh, was phenomenal. What a well-spoken guy. And he was talking about Tiger playing through distraction. you mind if I share a Tiger story real quick? Please go right ahead. So it's the first time I'm playing with him and Earl. And every single time the Tiger went to hit a shot, Earl would start talking to us in the group like I'm talking to you. He'd start jiggling his change. And I thought to myself, man, that's so rude because Tiger's hitting his shot. So finally, like on the fifth hole, Tiger's over putt. Earl starts talking to me. And I go, ugh. He looks up and I go, shh. And I nod over at a Tiger. The Tiger's putting. And Earl just keeps going. He goes, Joe, don't you know why I'm doing this? And I'm like, no, I have no idea why I'm doing this. And uh I'm looking for the other guys for a little help. Meanwhile, Tiger's still going through his deal and makes his putt. Earl says, Joe, I'm getting him prepared to play through distraction when he gets on the tour. And mind you, Tiger's only 13 years old at the time. I'm thinking, oh, my God, that's the greatest answer that I could have ever heard from a parent. <laughs> you know, I thought that was, that was how much belief does he have in his kid? So we're walking off the green. And I turn to Tiger and I say, "Does he really do that every single shot?" Tiger goes, "I don't know. I haven't heard anything in two years." <laughs> 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 but, uh, yeah, it, you know, you're you're talking to Bob about those cameras bothering him. Yeah, Tiger's well trained to playing through distraction. I assure you.
0: So uh, yeah, actually, that's, right you know, now, and that's you know, one I, of the things I wanted to talk to and get your perspective too on Joe. I mean, it's it, it it was just very striking to me. To think, you know, here he is. You know, it was one of the last few holes. I don't remember if it was on 16 or 17, whenever it was. But it was a big moment for him, and he had to make the putt. And then just, like, staring straight, you know, the 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 view that they had at the camera was from behind Tiger. And you could see the sea of cameras right in front of him. I'm thinking, you know. I remember that. This is already a major, right? This is already, you know, stacked full of pressure. Now you got, you know, hundreds, God knows how many cameras right in your putting line. How you don't get distracted by that and let that make the gravity of the moment make it even worse for you is—it's unbelievable how strong how strong his mind is. Yeah, it, it truly is.
3: Plus, they were allowing cell phones. You saw cell phones all over the place. That was kind of surprising. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, it was unbelievable. Uh, you know how he played and how he did. And it, it, uh, you know he—you want to say he's back? I mean, second place, second. Solo second at the PGA. He's making all the. He's what missed one cut on it since he's been back. So, you know, I don't think a win's too far away. It just can't be. You know, it just can't be. No,
0: absolutely. I mean, there's no, there's no question. He's back. I mean, he was. You know, again, he had the lead in the. You know, back nine at the Open and, and you know, faltered a little down the stretch and was you know made this great comeback. You know, on Sunday, you know, here at the PGA, finishing to your point, solo second. No question, he's back. It's just a matter of time. No question. You would think before yeah. before it gets a win, whether that's in a major or not, we'll see. But, I mean, there's no question the guy's back at the top of, you know, at least at the top of this PGA Tour, right? I mean, he may not be the guy that he was in the early part of the 2000s, but he's as good as a 42-year-old 40 but guy about to be 43 in December. Boy, I don't know that it gets better than that.
3: Right, I agree. I mean, and if, if it wasn't for a, a record-setting performance, you know, I mean, I think that was the PJ scoring record uh, right. that was set in, in winning that. So, I mean, that was what was Tiger was up against. So, yeah, it's great to see it. It's great to even have this conversation. Yeah. You know, a year ago, we didn't even know what was going to happen. But, exactly uh, right. Uh, right. Yeah, so that's exciting times. Right now, I'm actually in uh, Las Vegas. For the PGA uh, uh, show, the fashion and demo show, I did a disabled veteran clinic for the PGA Hope for uh, the National PGA this morning at Top Golf over here in Las Vegas. So that went quite well. So now, uh, yeah, we're we're looking outside the window from the Golden Nugget right now, uh, talking to you. But it was awesome. Wow. Was a great time Anthony Neto with Stand Up and Play. Was there? Uh, we had the pros from the Las Vegas chapter in PGA were here. We had some pros from Southern California, PGA were here to help out. Went real well. It's going to be our first annual. We're going to keep doing it every year during the show, so I'm excited about that.
0: And as you alluded to a moment ago, Joe, talk about your foundation and the great things that you're doing for our wounded veterans. You know, our show goes out. Uh, one of the one of the places it goes out to is the Armed Forces Radio Network. So I think it's an important message for the folks, you know, on that station to understand the great things that you're doing for our veterans.
3: All uh, that's, uh, yeah, we we work with the the Long Beach VA Hospital. We work with the uh, VA Hospital out in Augusta when we do our 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 Hope Clinic out there annually on the Monday of the Masters. We work with the veterans out in Hawaii the Monday of the Sony. I go down to Camp Pendleton once a month uh with the Wounded Warrior West Battalion down there. And, you know, there's no better, there's no greater rehabilitative uh, anything than golf, if you ask me. For some reason, this sport just resonates uh with the PTSD. Down at Pendleton, most of the Wounded Warriors have PTSD. And, you know, more than once these guys have told me that getting them addicted to this game has saved their life. If I have one guy He was quite stolen at the beginning of the clinic. And by the end of the clinic, he was so excited. The next month, when we were doing on once a month, we've been doing that for about 13 years. Uh, The next clinic, a month later, he told me he had been at the golf course every single day since the previous one. He obviously had been because he had improved exponentially. But he sat me down, and uh, we talked for a few hours. But he told me, he goes, Joe, you know, he goes, I got to tell you, that day I came to that clinic last month, I was going to eat a bullet, and I made a decision whether or not I was going to eat a bullet or go to this dumb golf clinic. He goes, I went to your golf clinic, and I'm here to tell you it saved my life. So, wow, these rehabilitated golf clinics have that impact. There's another guy said the same thing. You know, we we work with victims of stroke, and it's the same story. We just had our 19th annual golf clinic for the junior blind, our 12th annual special ed kids clinic. Um, our our 12th Daniel inner city kids clinic, this, this game, this is the game for, uh, you know, rehabilitative or just getting, uh, you know, these kids off the streets, for example, when we're down at the inner city, giving them something that they can do that could potentially lead them to a college golf scholarship or leave, you know, the Chester Washington is down on the edge of Compton and those are some rough streets and I assure you it'd be better to, have those kids on a golf course and out there on those streets. So, uh, as far as the armed forces is concerned, I did leave the Navy golf course in February. I still do a lot of the clinics there. We still take the Long Beach VA guys there. We still go to the Long Beach VA for the clinics we do for the guys that are too are seriously disabled to even leave the hospital. They have this uh, putting facility that uh, the Howard Payne Putting facility that we use for those clinics, but I mean, just a lot of what we do too is uh, the three C's. You know, we throw in golf, we throw in care, concern, and compassion, and these guys just light up. It's unbelievable.
0: And Joe, to to your point, you you left uh, the Navy uh, golf course. Now you're over at El Dorado Park Golf Course over (laughs) there in Long Beach. Talk about that golf course. I was named one of the top 100 courses back in 2008. I read.
3: Yeah, El where they have the final two rounds of the Long Beach Open. And, you know, some winners of that event have gone on to fame and fortune on the PGA Tour. Phenomenal. It's, it's, Long Beach is a phenomenal community for golf. There's several Long Beach City golf courses there, Rec Park, El Dorado, Hartwell's, infamous. Hartwell's churns out thousands of junior golfers a year. Uh, all those long, long beach has got its own little mecca of golf. Everyone's there to play golf, to practice golf, to talk golf. It's, it's very exciting for me to be there. And I'm, uh, I'm really looking uh, forward to, him you know, moving all my events over there now. So everyone's all into it. It's exciting. Luckily, it's not far from Navy. So I know a lot of people that hang out there as well. You know, golf communities are kind of small in your area. So, or the golf world, I shouldn't say communities, but. Uh, yeah, is phenomenal. It, uh, it's uh, an exciting time for, for me and uh, the foundation and the team. We're all excited.
0: So, Joe, I wanted to get a couple of your thoughts with respect to where the game of golf is at now. And we talked a little bit earlier about the PGA. And you look at guys like Bruce, uh, Brooks Kepka and Adam Scott and Tiger and Justin Thomas and John Rom. I mean, all these guys are bombers. right? They're hitting the ball well over 300 yards. I mean, they're carrying the ball. Three twenty, three thirty, and and I remember a quote, and I don't I don't remember if it was Arnold Palmer who said it or it was his father Deacon who said it to him, but it was hit it hard, go find it, and hit it hard again. As a teacher, is that is that what we're teaching? You know the junior players now is you know boy you got to get up there and rip it, and then uh, you know we we can worry about angle and you know where the ball goes, but you know you got to swing hard, you got to swing fast. It's all about swing speed. Is that is that where we're at as a a teaching philosophy, or is, or is your philosophy different than that?
3: Well, as far as that's concerned, it's it, it's a different game, you know. I've been in the Santa Cal PGA for thirty years, and in the old days, I was I didn't think anybody could hit it farther than me until Tiger turned sixteen. But the uh, <laughs> you know, I you know I remember uh, Von Hinkle won the long drive thing with two eighty. You know, Tiger was like the first guy to hit, it, to start hitting them over 300. We got guys in the Southern California PGA, and I'm not kidding, that can hit it 350 yards straight, and they're pros. And it's, you know, you're 70, 80 yards back, you know, you hit it 280, and you're 70 yards behind this guy. It's, it's, it's discouraging. We have one of the biggest uh, issues right now in the Southern California PGA. I'm on the board of the Southern California PGA, so I'm right in the middle of this because I turned 50 a couple of years ago, is senior keys. National came down with this thing that they're not going to have senior tees because they're just going to, so we follow the sections, follow national pro, protocol. So we have what they call a fair and equitable tees, but I'm a lot longer than a lot of seniors still. And there's guys out there that are a lot longer than me. So equitable tees, what does that mean? You know, when, when everyone's playing the same tees and some of these guys can hit it over a hundred yards farther than some of the older seniors. I mean, it's where the game is now. I I think if they're gonna, if the young guys are gonna be hitting it that far, I mean, they got to take a good look at uh, what they're gonna do as far as fair and equitable. No, I don't. I mean, grip it and rip it is. uh, You know, that's how we taught it. That's how I taught it in the old days. But uh, uh, now, you know, what? My big thing is balance. And you start teaching kids just to tear it up. If they can't swing in balance. You know they're just going to rip their, their swings apart, right? I just did six weeks of of Nike Junior Golf Camp, and the main thing we we uh, preached to these kids was to swing in balance. I wouldn't even let them touch the driver till the third day because if they couldn't swing in balance, their driver is going to rip their swings apart, which is exactly what happened with a few of them. They start swinging hard with the driver, they fall out of balance, and all that hard work they'd done for the first two days is out the window because they just ripped their swing apart, but their driver's trying to swing too hard. So, yeah, it seems like we're going that way. Um, you know, if you watch these long drive contests, these guys are hitting it 400 yards. I mean, what is going on out there? I mean, a the course, I mean, I remember when 6,800 yards was a big, long course. Now it's a pitching putt, you know? It's unbelievable. I, I don't know what the answers are. I mean, I know, I know with the juniors, I want them to swing in balance. I mean, I don't care if they could, they can swing as hard as they want when, when I leave. But when I'm there, I want them swinging in balance If they can keep their balance and work their way up to swinging that hard. I mean, more power to them. But, um, yeah, if you start swinging for the fences and you can't keep your balance, you're going to have a heck of a time trying to groove a swing. It's not until you keep your balance that we're able to build on the swing. We're able to work on other mechanics you know so if they're if they're swinging out of balance yeah i can't you can't do anything with them till they learn to not do that
0: joe just a couple more before we let you go and we talked about this last time but for folks that weren't with us last time and like i say it's been a while one of the things that you talked about going back to tiger was the racism that he had to deal with at the at the naval golf course and um the things he had to overcome with respect to that, and the things he got blamed for that he didn't do, and the championships that he won that they didn't acknowledge. Do you mind sharing a couple of those stories? Well, for
3: example,
0: he had
3: just won his the uh, his first U.S. amateur two weeks earlier. Uh, I get a phone call from this lady. She said, "There's a couple guys on the range." hitting balls into the houses. So every once in a while, you know, the Navy ships would come in. We were affiliated with Naval Station Long Beach before it was, uh, before it shut down. And, uh, you know, we were home ports 42 ships, so the active duty guys would come over. It was military only, so they were literally on a base. And start drinking, get crazy. Once in a while, they'd just start firing them into into the houses either on purpose or probably not on purpose. They probably just that with their swings. But uh, so I go out there. I see Tiger on the range by himself and said, hey, champ, uh, you see anybody out here? He said, yeah, a couple guys just went down by maintenance. So, you know, when you go by maintenance, you can either hop the fence and escape the course or sneak onto the course going around maintenance. So I drove out on the course. I'm off foot. Put- so I'm driving around, I'm hanging out, I'm not in the shop, so I'm taking my time getting back. I come back along the range and there's Tiger's balls sitting there. Tiger never would leave balls on the range, he would hit them all. And I go run into the shop. My first thought at the time, Earl's heart was getting a little bad. I was thinking, you know, something happened to Earl. There's no way Tiger's leaving those balls there. I go in and uh, Scott on up to the other pros in there. I said, What happened? Where's Tiger? He's literally crying. And he said, Bill kicked him out of here. And I'm like, what? So I go down and I talk to uh, this guy uh, who's no longer with us. And I said, Bill, I go, what did you do? And he said, a neighbor lady called and uh, said, little black kid was hitting balls into the neighborhood. So I checked him out of here. I said, Bill, that's BS. I took the phone call. So this guy had a little bit of thing against Tiger and uh checked him out of there. You know, so I, I go running over to Tiger's house and mind you, he's two weeks away from going to college. He's two weeks removed from winning the U S amateur trophy. There's a, there's a, a bunch more, uh, underlying stories. He just hadn't done that. You know, the Navy could have had the best recruiting tool they could have ever hope for. Uh, if, uh, he had done, and I go to Tiger's house. It was like a Tiger had already told Tita and Earl what had happened. It was like walking into a funeral parlor. And I said, uh, I asked Earl if you want me to talk to General Wiles, who was a three-star general at the time, African-American, who played golf there, and tell him what's been going on. And he goes, no, 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 we don't want to involve General Wiles. We don't need that. So I asked Tita. He goes, no, forget Navy. So I asked Tiger. Tiger, you want me to tell General Wiles what's going on? "No, no, 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 forget it, Joe. I mean, I wanted to, like, blow the lid off of all this. It was just a dirty little picture, you know? And mind you, it wasn't the patrons. It was just a handful of people in management that just did everything in their power to stand in this kid's way. Again, it's military only. So you're talking about a golf course where the first tee's empty at 10 o'clock in the morning, Tiger literally had the place to himself. So just a handful of people that worked there, older people that were kind of both born and raised in the days of segregation, you know, outside of that issue they were great people but they were just born with that weird little problem they had a problem you know and and uh yeah that was that was a that was a tough one anyway that he goes off to college oh before he left like a week later this was a big thing a week later he called the manager sort of as a a, uh you know to let him know whatever uh, what I can't remember the term I'm thinking. But he calls the manager and asked him if he wanted to display the US amateur trophy at the Navy golf course. Now, Pete and Earl were just uh, they didn't care, but Tiger uh, was gonna a peace offering. That's on you know, here I felt it was a kind, it was a great gesture on Tiger's part. He rose above the whole nonsense, the whole thing. Here's the US amateur trophy amateur champion getting kicked out of the Navy golf Course because some guy doesn't like him. And Tiger still had the grace to offer to display the trophy at Navy, which is where have been. Navy was his home court. And the guy didn't even have the courtesy to reply to that, to reply to Tiger. There was not a yes, there was not a no, there was no reply. And that, I mean, you'll never hear Tiger say it, but that was what did it in for Tiger. Yeah, that was when he was uh, done with it. It's like unbelievable. No kidding. Yeah, you know, it was good. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of little stories. You'll be able to read about them here in about a year when I finally write, publish my book. I wrote, I wrote a book about all that like 20 years ago, but as a Navy employee, I've, I've never been able to, uh, publish anything like that. You know, like, like my, the golf book I wrote that Earl wrote the forward to that has me and Tiger on the cover that you can get at highgolf.com. I've never been able to market that in all these years because I've been a Navy employee. And you can't be the Navy head pro and make money off of saying that. That doesn't go to the Navy. So now I've, I've been at El Dorado for about six weeks. That's all changed. So it's game on now. So you guys, I mean, you'll get the nitty gritty. When people see what Tiger was able, and that's just one story. There's a bunch of all this nonsense like that. The Tiger was able to, When you when you hear it, you're going to see just how gracious Tiger really is to not, get you know to go to that level he stayed above it and it's going to be impressive what a young you know young man like that this stuff could have made him so sour and angry and bitter and he just stayed above it stayed above it of course you learn that from from Earl and Cheetah, but it, it'll be you'll be impressed on on what he was able to not let get to him in that regard because you know I was at Chester Washington which is right on the edge of Compton and South Central you know, and a, and a lot of those kids that get exposed to all that, it ruins them. It just jades them, you know, and they, and then that just sends them down the wrong path, you know. But Tiger's able to stay above all that hate, and uh, he
2: hasn't done too bad for himself, if you ask me.
0: Agreed. Joe, before we let you go, let our listeners know, how can they stay up to date with all the great things you're doing, whether it's online or it's over social media? Uh,
3: Facebook, Joe Groman, Joe Groman Golf Foundation. Well, my website, my foundation website is uh Joe Groman Foundation dot org. It's a mouthful, but that has all the stuff we do and I do I post all of our events and all that on that. And uh how to golf dot com is where they can get that book. Uh that Earl wrote a forward to it. It's uh it's mostly pictures with big print. It was the first interactive golf instruction book where you can literally lay it on the ground, see the picture and see the giant one and two sentence descriptions. you know, literally read the book as you, you know, manipulate through the pictures of what you're trying to do. So I thought that was pretty cool. We wrote that one at Tiger and Earl's House, by the way. And it's in Spanish and Korean too. So, but that's at HowToGolf.com www.HowToGolf.com and www.JoeGrowmanGolfFoundation.org on Facebook, Joe Groman and Joe Grohman Golf Foundation.
0: Joe, it's fantastic having you back on the show. Thanks for taking some time away from your stuff that you got going on there in Las Vegas to to join me and jump on the show. I hope you'll hope I'll be able to get you to come back on the show much sooner this time around because it's great catching up with you, my friend. <laughs>
3: uh, it's my pleasure, Chris. Thank you so much for having me. I always appreciate it.
0: Take care, Joe. All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up soon.
3: Okay. Thank you, Chris. Take care.
0: See you, Joe. That's Joe Grohman, and his last name is spelled G-R-O-H-M-A-N. So, great stuff from Joe, and, uh, gotta have him back on much sooner than two years to to almost the day, but great stories and and un-terrible stories with respect to Tiger. I mean, that's some of the things that he shared last time, and the racism and the things that Tiger had to go through as a teenager. And, um, you know, kudos to him for rising above it and, uh, the great things that obviously he's gone on to and all of those sorts of things. But to hear more and more of the stories for what, uh, he was, uh, he was dealing with, it's heartbreaking. And, um, hopefully we get to, uh, get, uh, Joe back on the show soon as he puts that book together and, uh, detail more of the other things that, uh, the Tiger went through. All right. Before we get to my next guest, Richard Zocal, I want to give a shout out to a couple of our sponsors. First, our friends at Par Bar. Par Bar Golf is focused on better nutrition for better golf. Par Bar is the first of its kind, the first energy bar of its kind developed specifically for golfers based on nutritional science that provides sustained, even energy that we golfers need. Now the company has introduced a unique hydration product, Par Water, that instantly converts water into an electrolyte drink. It only has one gram of sugar and it's all natural. Par Water is a cap that is filled, you know, that can fit right on top. Of uh, most uh, water bottles, it's got electrolyte powder, right? So you put the cap on the bottle, you press down on the cap, and the powder goes in and dissolves almost immediately and converts the water to an electrolyte drink that replaces the salt that we lose when we're out there sweating. Studies by the American Institute of Biotechnology have shown that a 12% loss in distance and a 90% loss in accuracy happens when we're even mildly dehydrated. So drink par water before, during, and after your round. It's all natural, tastes great, comes in lemon and mango flavors. You can buy par bars and par water online at parbargolf.com and at many pro shops around the country. Please also check out our friends at the Bobby Jones Apparel Company by going online to bobbyjones.com. Their semi-annual sale is going on right now, and now is a perfect opportunity to change things up layer upon layer. They make style easy. Find carefully coordinated outfits in a variety of colors and options by going online to bobbyjones.com. All right, now back with me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is former PGA Tour pro Richard Zokol, And let me remind you about Richard's background. He's from Kitimat, uh, British Columbia, which is on the west coast in the central part of the province, played his college golf at Brigham Young from 1977 to 1981, where he helped them to a first or a second place finish in the Western Athletic Conference all four years he was there. They finished second in the national championship in 1980, come back the next year in 81, and he captained them to the national championship along with his teammates, Rick Fair, Keith Clearwater, David DeSantis, and Bobby Clampett. And Bobby and Richard were t- uh, were roommates for three years there at BYU. In 2009, that 81 golf team was inducted into the Brigham Young Athletics Hall of Fame. That year, Richard won the 81 Canadian Amateur Championship by one stroke over Blaine McAllister in a sudden-death playoff and then turned pro. The year before, in 80, Richard won the International Champions Tournament over in Morocco, among his other wins. For the 1982 British Columbia Open and the 1984 Utah State Open. On the PGA Tour, he won twice in 1992 at the Deposit Guarantee Classic and the Greater Milwaukee Open. 2001, he won on the Web.com Tour at the Canadian PGA Championship, and in 2011, he was inducted into the Canadian Golf Hall of Fame. He is now the founder of MindLink Golf, which you can find online at mindlinkgolf.com. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. But uh, I'm very excited to have Richard back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Richard, thanks for joining me again tonight.
2: Well, thank you for having me, Chris. Uh, Much appreciated. So,
0: Richard, I want to start our time tonight by getting your thoughts on what we just saw at the PGA Championship. What did you think about what we witnessed, particularly on Sunday?
2: Wow, it, uh, it was it was a remarkable event. First of all, that we all know that uh, <clears throat> the whole golf world got excited to see and, and and what they were expecting out of Tiger. You know, when he came, you he we watched him in the final round of the Open Championship. He he got uh, a taste of the lead on the back nine on Sunday. That was electrifying. And then as he's making his ascent back, he's you know starting to try or he's trying and attempting and being successful in... Lim- eliminating his mistakes and uh, making great progress so when he was in the hunt uh, uh, particularly on the back nine and then we watched Brooks Kepka, you know really take a page out of Tiger Woods in his prime uh you know it was a it was an outstanding performance by by Tiger it was an outstanding performance by Brooks Kepka. I think that you know like we 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 got to give our dues to Brooks Kepka. He is literally a product of Tiger Woods. He's um, you know, from a physical point of view and an, and a mental point of view, Chris. You know, he he's conditioned physically his body to be uh something that he that appears like Superman, but uh, what really is the difference in Brooks Kepka is his mental conditioning. We witnessed on Sunday something that is just so stoic. And it's the same type of conditioning he got his body into that he has had a very specific protocol. Uh, at one that, uh, well, I want to talk about mind link as well that's conditioned him into be such a, a mentally strong competitor as well.
0: And Richard, to that point, and this is something we've talked a lot about tonight on the show, it is his mental approach. He just seems unflappable, like nothing bothers him, nothing phases him that's going on out there. And he's certainly not overcome by the moment. So, you know, what do you think, how do you do that? How do you become so mentally strong that nothing like that gets to you?
2: Well, Chris, the first thing you have to do is understand that you have to have a very specific protocol. It's kind of like you can't just go to the gym and, and, and automatically morph into a physical fitness you have to have a, pro- a physical protocol well it's the exact same thing with your mind and obviously no one no one has a perfectly conditioned mind for golf uh and and brooks has uh whatever he's done i i'm not pervy to what he has done but it, there's no doubt that he has followed some form of protocol that now he's conditioned to love that moment He he looks like he's having fun. He talks about he is having fun. He talks about how his focus is even better in majors than it is PGA Tour events. And uh, you know, he looks calm out there and he's not, you know, he doesn't have this intensity where he's wasting any emotional fuel and 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 he's and he's a big strong guy, so he's a complete package, but the mental aspect of the game is is the next frontier of improvement and we're watching a fellow in Brooks Kepka who had who had control of his uh, and has a uh, you know the best ability both physically and mentally.
0: And to what you mentioned a moment ago, and I heard Brooks Kepka you know talk about this about how his focus at the majors is just way beyond what it is in a regular yeah. tour event. I mean, he's got four wins, three of which are majors, which is a heck of a ratio, right? Typically, we're used mm-hmm. to seeing it oh, yeah. way on the other side, right? You've got. You know, 5 10 20 wins one or two majors I think he's got three majors and four wins so w- when you look at that right how, is it a, a, a uh, something that you think that he he'll be able to translate into you know winning the uh, you know the uh, the odd tour event here or there get him get himself two or three wins in a PGA tour season sprinkle in another major or two or do you think he's just designed that it's a letdown? It's uh, you know it's just a, it's just a this or that open, no big deal. You know, come talk to me, come Masters, U.S. Open, Open Championship, PGA time, and then you'll see me.
2: Oh, I think he's going to win a bunch of PGA Tour events. I think he's just just starting uh, his his ascent, and uh, I think he's going to have a bunch of uh, of championships. And part of the the indicators that I see in him that, that make him so good from a mental point of view, like he was asked the question. You probably heard it as well, Chris. That you know, in the post round, he said, you know, he knew that you, that the people were pulling for Tiger in the final round. And and uh, someone asked him, he says, "Do you care what people think about you?" And his answer was beautiful. He just said, he says, "I don't care what other people think about me." So that is another example of um, uh, of detaching emotionally from the result. The problem with most golfers, and I think everyone, all oh, your, your your listeners can uh, relate to it, is that when you when you think that other people care about your game, and now it becomes a problem if you don't hit a good shot, they may think less of you. That's part of the problem, and 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 you know, if you want to overcome that, you have to create a a system that trains you to emotionally detach from results, and then you become a a cold-blooded assassin and and that's exactly what brooks kepka did in in uh, in the toughest situation he's you know the final nine on on a major championship and he's staring down tiger woods when the whole world was rooting for tiger woods so you know uh, more power to brooks kepka
0: Richard, i want to switch gears a little bit and you shared a white paper that you wrote with me about the advances in technology that, you know, that the game is going through. And and at the forefront of that is the length the guys are hitting the golf ball now, right? Tiger Woods even mentioned it after his round on Sunday that, you know, with guys like Brooks and DJ and Rory, you know, flying the ball 340 yards, it's hard to compete unless you can do the same. So talk about what your white paper is about and what your thoughts are with respect to, technology and where the game is right now
2: well yeah in in the usga and the rna are are, uh, i guess they're coming to an end of uh, collecting a lot of information from people around the world who have um, our concerns about the game and and the part of the game where technology is perhaps gone a little too far and the question is is do we you know do they roll the equipment, the ball back. And and keep in mind, it's not just the golf ball. You know, Chris, it's, you know, the golf ball is one aspect of it, but when you have, uh, you know, these large drivers uh, that have uh, such a large uh, uh, moment of inertia, that's, you know, the sweet spot and, and, and the trampoline effect, it's causing the ball in the hands of the better players to, for the ball to, to not spin and go tremendous distances. So, now, as uh, all those players that you talked about, even Tiger, he's in that that era, that uh, group as well. That consistently hit the ball, you know, above 300 yards, and the ball goes a lot straighter than it used to as well. So, you know, they're they're turning a, a lot of golf courses into very short golf courses. I think we all know that Dustin Johnson went through the whole year on the PGA Tour with uh, hitting only one six iron into a par four. Uh, and and every other parkour that he played was less than that. So um, there are some concerns because it is drastically changing the game. And uh, we've got to find a way to make sure that the technology helps the average golfer uh, rather than the advanced golfer and perhaps put some uh, governors on, uh, at the professional level.
0: And, Richard, you talk about how there should be a balance. Between distance and accuracy, and the spirit of the game being compromised when accuracy is less important than distance. So we heard Brooks Koepka talk about this as well, because he said, you know, it doesn't matter to him if he drives the ball in the fairway or not, because he's going to hit a 350 in the air, and he's going to have a nine iron or a pitching wedge into the green, no matter where he's at, and he can spin a nine iron or a pitching wedge out of the rough just like he can out of, you know, in the middle of the fairway. So now, all of a sudden, you've got a completely different game and a completely different mindset. Talk about the impact that that has.
2: Yeah, that's absolutely right. And and that right there says it in a nutshell. I think uh, Brandel Chambly on the Golf Channel talks about it to great length as well. And, and uh, you know, I was just back at the Canadian Open a, a few weeks, a couple of weeks ago. And there, and I'm talking to, you know, some PGA Tour officials and some Golf Canada people and, and, and talking about the fact that how the PGA Tour officials agronomy side is has for, oh, about a decade now or, or so has decided to cut down the rough, the length of the rough. Uh, they want, uh, you know, their concerns are speed of play. They want it to in, improve, but you know, that's another subject. Uh, but also, um, they want low scores. So if you if we were able to create golf courses with uh, with penal rough that so when the long hitters or any hitter didn't have the proper balance of accuracy, um, you know the risk reward of pulling out driver and in the art of driving the ball in the fairway it should be rewarded. But uh, what shouldn't be re- rewarded, in in my way of thinking, is the the bombers that just smash it everywhere, and uh, it doesn't matter where you are in the rough that you're able to access, particularly soft greens, like we saw this past week at the PGA Championship. So you know if if the rough was penal and uh, and guys like Brooks Kepka and Dustin Johnson weren't able to get to attack pins from the rough when they when they're when they're drives miss the fairway then that would be a a a proper balanced setup and you wouldn't see you know such low scores on what used to be di- difficult golf courses
0: so richard are you an advocate of rolling back across the board rolling back the, the the size of the head of the driver like you mentioned a moment ago rolling back how far the ball can go or are you looking for that across the board are you looking for bifurcation talk about what's the solution
2: i think the solution is bifurcation i was never a a fan of bifurcation i thought golf was such a great game uh that amateurs and everyone played the same game but it's just changed dramatically in the past 18 years um ever since 2000 that uh uh, you know, you want to, you want the advances to go to the average person, the people that pay for the Callaways or the TaylorMades or, or golf clubs because the technology is great. And let me, and you know, the golf, we all know golf is a difficult game, but I would like to see the golf ball, uh, and, uh, for, and, and create a bifurcation for the PGA Tour level. So if you're playing web.com Tour or the PGA Tour, <clears throat> follow the same uh, path that Major League Baseball did—they didn't get pulled down the rabbit hole to use metal bats. Uh, oh my gosh, I couldn't imagine—you know—there'd be deaths of shortstops, third basemen, and, and pitchers if they allowed uh, metal bats. And uh, what I would do, Chris, is I, I'd really affect the ball that it had to spin a lot more than it does, uh, so that miss-hit shots—you know—they—they—they they, uh, they spin and, and they'll slice or hook. This golf ball just doesn't spin. Then I would reduce the size, the maximum size for again the PGA Tour levels from a from a 460 cc and bring it down to oh gosh I'd bring it down to you know 320 and then I would uh, we would make sure that the face doesn't have the uh, the coefficient of restitution which is the spring like effect on the face because I think and and we're not even talking about how the shaft has made a difference with power the lighter shafts but if you pull back the, uh, increase the spin on the golf ball, bring back the, 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 reduce the size of the head of the golf, the driver and the, uh, the woods, it, then it would reduce the, the sweet spot and then also reduce the spring like effect on the face and pull it back 10%. Uh, I think Jack talked, Nicholas talked about pulling back 20%. I think that's a little too much, but I think now then we're going to, we won't have a distortion from those who are the power players. Uh, we don't want to. I think it's a poor game if it just becomes a bomber's uh, contest. Uh, you know, the guys that learn to play and learn to play artfully and smart uh, should be in the game as well.
0: Richard, a couple more before we let you go. And you founded a company called MindLink Off. We've made mention of it a couple of times. But talk yeah. about what MindLink Off is.
2: Okay, well MindLink Lake is a it's a mental game improvement app and uh the protocol conditions golfers as I mentioned to detach emotionally from results. Uh when you follow it, uh we focus on collecting uh key performance data of every shot Chris and uh you enter the data of every sh- after every shot the software is being built overseas right now and we're going to have our product delivered to us uh, in December. So basically what you do, uh, you, you focus your attention on there's two key performance markers of every shot. And, the, and you're as good, or, and I'm as good, or every golfer's only as good as their ability to assess that shot. That is like picking the club, and, and assessing the situation, wind, distance, and all that stuff. And then your ability to execute the shot. So we collect those, that data, and then after every round, you get three reports. And we, these reports, uh, provide a shot lost and shot gained information that are associated with each and every key performance marker. So basically, that's what we do. And it, what it does, it inherently pulls the golfer into the present moment. And most importantly, and, and I call this function of golf insanity that we all do as golfers, we think about results, we think about our swing technique when we need to be learning how to focus on the shot at hand uh, no matter what the situation, it doesn't matter if you're Tiger Woods trying to make it on the 18th hole, or if you're Joe Blow at, the, at your country club trying to break 90. When you put your attention on the one shot at a time and your key performance markers of that shot, then you learn to detach emotionally from the results, and it gives you a freedom of, uh, of being able to optimize your uh, optimize your ability. So,
0: Richard, that begs the question: When do you think it's going to be available, and when we can start checking it out?
2: Well, we're, I'm going to have it. We're going to be testing it, uh, what's called a functioning minimum viable product, in December. I'm going to be taking it to the PG of America at that point, and then next spring, next summer, then we're we anticipate it uh, being an app and available at the at the App Store. Um, and it'll, it'll probably be a, a $8, $9, 99 cents a month, uh, product. You'll be able to have golf lessons on, uh, pick up videos and you can use, uh, we have our podcast and right now we, I have about 30 podcasts. If you go to mindlinkgolf.com and in the page where it says rub of the mind, there is a number of <clears throat> podcasts. I put one up this morning about, uh, uh Brooks Kepka last week. And uh, I'm going to be putting on another one on Thursday about this week at the Wyndham Championship and all those, the pressure on all those guys trying to make the 125. Uh, that's always a fascinating <laughs> um, uh, discussion. And uh, so this, uh, it'll also, what the app will also do is it'll automatically keep your handicap trips. So there won't be any way because you're entering your score after every hole. Um, and we're going to be able to capture all the ratings and the tees that every, person plays when they use the MindLink app they're uh, they won't they're, they'll they'll be able to get their handicap done automatically all in one app
0: sounds fantastic Richard let our listeners know you mentioned the website but how can they stay up to date with what's going on how they, can they stay up to date with what you're doing whether that's online or it's over social media
2: well my uh, Twitter name is at Richard Zokel and uh, and and uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I put out these uh, Rub of the Mind pon- podcasts whenever, uh, you know, useful inf- situations happen on the PGA Tour. And uh, I'd like to talk about why people are able to succeed in moments where other people, you know, succumb to the pressure. And uh, And I think we all can learn from that. And that's what MindLink is all about.
0: Well, Richard, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your night to come back and be a part of the show. I'd like to continue to have you come back because I think a lot of the things that you share are very insightful, and I think it can help a lot of us play better golf, particularly when we talk about our mental approach. I think the things that you bring up are spot on. Hopefully, you'll come back and join me again soon.
2: Well, thank you, Chris. It's much appreciated. Thank you for thinking of me, and uh, anytime you want to invite me on your show, I'd be happy to do so. I appreciate that, Richard, very much.
0: Take care, my friend. All the best to you and your family. Look forward to having you back
2: soon. Thank you. Bye bye.
0: See you, Richard. That's Richard Zokal again. Mindlinkgolf.com and uh, the, the app sounds fantastic. And uh, capturing all that information, capturing you know our ability to you know capitalize and be a part of the moment, stay focused, and do all the things on the mental approach that he talked about is the thing that I find so rich, and hopefully we get to continue to have those conversations here, how the product's coming, and then uh, be a part of it when it uh, gets launched next year. All right, folks, it is time for me to put a bow on this episode of Next on the Team. My sincere thanks again to Dr. Bob Jones IV, Joe Groman, and Richard Zockel for joining me tonight. Please give me your thoughts, check out our page on Facebook next on the T with Chris Mascaro. Go in there, make a comment, let us know how you think we're doing. If you've got a question for one of our future guests, which you can find our schedule out on our website nextonthet.net or one of our previous guests, we'll be glad to get those questions answered for you. Please just let us know. Please also check out our sister show on the football side, Thursday Night Tailgate, with me and my co-host Bob Lazari and our announcer Joe Lagenusa. That show airs live every Thursday night from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. You can stream us live on Blog Talk Radio, but that show like this one is also available as a free podcast over on Podbean and iHeartRadio as well. On Thursday Night Tailgate, we're joined every week by five NFL legends who come on and share their stories and their insights for what's going on around the league now. Plus, we also highlight two players in our Spotlight on the Positive segment. We let you know about the great things guys are doing. Goodness knows we hear all about the negative stuff. Every week, we feature two players that are doing great things out in their communities and around the world as well. You can find that show at our our website there is ThursdayNightTailgate.com. And again, this show online at NextOnTheT.net and. From there, you can download or stream any of, our, any of our archive episodes. We're going to link you back to our page on Podbean that has uh, all of our archive episodes there as well. Folks, thank you so much again for choosing to listen to the show today. We know you got thousands of shows and podcasts that you have the opportunity to stream and listen to. We really appreciate the fact that you are making Next on the T one of them. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends.
1: been listening to Next on the tee with Chris Mascaro,
0: where PGA and LPGA pros and top instructors and media members go to tell their stories. Join us the
1: same time every Tuesday to hear more stories about the game we love, from people who love sharing those stories with you. It's all about the great game of golf. It's all about the great game of golf